Hello and welcome to season four, episode one of Dualistic Unity. I am enthusiasm with a newfound energy after having left our jobs with more time to connect with you. And if the last two days is any indication of how this season is about to go, it's about to be fucking fun. That's for sure. And I am no longer concerned about losing my employment. So this episode and this season is absolutely going to be fun because it's going to be done with a slightly different tone, a tone that I think is more authentic to the message that we've been trying to bring across, which is surrendering to the unknown, allowing potential to come through and be whatever it is, and embodying the change that we would like to see in the world. Because admittedly, the act of leaving our jobs, and it wasn't easy, we're definitely throwing caution to the wind. It's not like we're flush with cash or in any degree of certainty while we do this. But getting here was entirely because of the growth of our community, the inspiration of watching each and every one of them grow and work together and inspire each other and inform us. Everything that we've said over three seasons has gone full circle and come back to us to remind us not to be afraid, to have faith, and to recognize the wave that we are a part of. Because all of the ripples that we've been talking about have been embodied by ourselves and by everybody who has been listening to this podcast. Everybody's casting out their own ripples and the wave is starting to grow. And here we are on season four, which I would like to say is the beginning of a wave and the continuation of a lot of ripples that you, the listener, have gone through a lot to make happen. And we are very grateful for everything that you've ever done and gone through and conquered and faced and everything that you're going to continue to go through because without you, none of this would be here. So thank you. And here we are in episode one of season four. Fuck yeah. And I am so excited to be able to share this experience with you. I've been making jokes on Instagram about how, you know, I've left my job, got a new job starting and oh, got a meeting coming up. It's it's a Twitch live or a Patreon group chat. And the best part about all of this is that we just get to talk about this all the time with you also. Like you're involved in our work meetings. I keep putting work in quotes because like this is we're literally now at work. Not that it hasn't been, you know, our second job for a while, but now this is it. And I've really been feeling like a new found energy that because I don't have to split my energy between something that I'm not that crazy about, not passionate about, and something that I am passionate about. And like the sort of frustration at times that in itself is a good practice of letting go, but the frustration that comes with having to focus on something that you just don't really want to focus on all the time. And it's not to say that you should just up and leave immediately, but find something else that you're passionate about talking about and put in a lot of work to this point. You know, the last year is nothing compared to what's about to happen. But given everything else that we had going on in our lives, we we're able to do a decent amount. But, you know, it was cutting out of our free time and or sleep time or whatever other parts that now we can fill all of that time that we used to take with our job to do this. And, you know, we start doing 40 hours a week of this stuff, like, 
holy shit, who's to say where it goes? And someone asked me on a Instagram Q&A yesterday, what would this, what would success look like for Dualist Community in a year? And I said, well, first of all, it, it already is. Like, it already is what it is. And any idea that I have of, of success is going to cut off any ability to get to where it could be if we let go of the idea of it being a success if we get to this. Or it'll only be a success if this happens. It's like, it already is. And our lack of expectations for where it's going to go is going to allow it to get to where it's going inevitably without so much of us trying to dictate and guide it, just guiding itself. We're just, we're just holding on. <laughs> and having a hell of a time because that's the lesson I think that we keep having hammered into our head over and over and over again is that there is in fact a timing to everything, that there is a pace that things are already changing at and that we are already a part of that happening. And the less that we try to make it into what we think it should be, the more it informs us of what would be appropriate. And I find that entire cycle of going through the thought and, and the well-intentioned thought that I'm gonna direct this to the recognition of actually it's directing me because there is no division. I love that lesson. I love that cycle. I love the fact that it keeps repeating and what it is ultimately repeating is the message that you can just let go and be yourself. You don't have to be afraid. Yeah, there's gonna be ripples. There's gonna be consequences. There's gonna be challenges and you're gonna go uphill sometimes and it's gonna be hard. None of that has to define you either. You have, you have everything that you need to go through all of that. You don't ever have to think about it. All you have to do is just keep going. And here we are. And I'll, I'll tell you, man, after 20 years, feeling a little emotional, you know, the retreat did it too. Just being able to see everybody in that state, being together, recognizing that we're all in this together, in that uncertainty together with the willingness to be vulnerable and that that is what ended all of our suffering. That's what ended all of the distortion and the conflict with everybody around us. All of a sudden, it was the easiest thing to be around people. And how often is that true without a good degree of working on yourself to get out of the way, right? And it was just incredible that there was no, there was no journey to having to relax past the influences around me. Nobody was trying to influence me because nobody was needy. Nobody was trying to fulfill some sense of lack because they were addressing it in themselves. It's all very obvious when we actually put it into practice. That's the funniest thing about it. It's just that we talk about it like it's a concept. We talk about it like it's enlightenment or it's utopia. And in really, all it really is, is just a degree of self-honesty and, it, and a, a degree of patience and openness, maybe just not taking your thoughts as reality. And so the walls that you've always felt imprisoned by just kind of evaporate in front of you and you're free and everything changes as a result. But we keep trying to figure out what happens once we're free. You can't do that while you're imprisoned because everything you're thinking about is a result of being imprisoned. Be free, let it unfold. Welcome to season four. Amen. And so there's a saying that life is suffering it's not suffering in the way that we believe that it is. And it's this whole narrative that I think has sort of infiltrated our society that life is tough. 
Life is difficult. And it's not to say that it isn't when we're in certain types of situations, but it doesn't have to be. And I think as we are more and more in conflict with our reality, we make it more difficult for ourselves. And if there's anything that I garnered from the retreat, it's that you can let go of your expectations or your idea of how something should turn out or the way you think something should go. And all of a sudden, things get a lot easier. Like, it's not to say that life gets easy, but at least easier relative to what it would be if you were constantly in conflict with here and now. So as you let go of the conflict of your experience here and now, there goes the suffering in comes the ease. So it's not about necessarily the environment or the experience that you're having. It's how conflicted you are with it, how much of you is involved, how much you think that it should be different that informs this idea that I'm experiencing suffering. And really what that comes down to is how much you is involved because you, this idea of you is built of opinions, is built of ideas, is built of expectations. So as you let go of those, there is less division, less perception of division between you and your reality. Reality being here and now, reality being the truth of what you are versus the idea of what you think you are. So as you let go of those expectations, see things as they are, let go of the conflict that you have with the way you think things should be or the way things are relative to the think things <laughs> relative to the way you think things should be. And all of a sudden, life gets a whole lot easier. And you find that flow and you recognize that you don't have to have conflict with the way things are and that things are working as they are and they are impacting you no differently than you are impacting them. And they are informing you no differently that, than you are informing them. As Ray just said, like your environment is impacting you just like you are impacting it. And there's that flow of back and forth. But as soon as you think it's only you impacting it, and you have no wherewithal to recognize that it is also impacting you, there goes the flow. You're cut off. You're lost in illusions, again, as we so often are. Feeling unloved and unlovable and disconnected from everything. And that's the part about the retreat that was beautiful was that state of vulnerability where you don't even worry about having to bring up any kind of defense because there's no attack coming and you know it because you can feel it. You actually are aware enough to be able to know the different influences that are happening around you. You just feel at ease. And as a result of that ease, you are more able to be there for everyone else as they're going through their own process. And that's love. That is the experience of love is, is to feel open and vulnerable and authentic and helpful and valuable without ever having to state it or have it validated by anyone. It's never even a question. And what I find is so very interesting and a little sad um, is so many of the people at the retreat who left and went back to their lives, went back to tell people about this incredible experience that was real and wasn't the result of belief. It wasn't the result of, of drinking the Kool-Aid of any type of spirituality. It really wasn't. It was just about being there without having to be afraid. And the immediate response was, sounds like a cult. How far off are we where the experience of being loved and accepted 
vulnerable and open with other people who feel the same way can only be compared to a cult in our mind. It's very much like Krishnamurti saying that it's no sign or it's no measure of health to be well-adjusted to a profoundly sick society. And that's very much what we're saying is that that experience is so far outside of the scope of how we experience the world right now that we're immediately skeptical about. And that's terrifying if you think about it because we think about cults without even trying to think about what the hell we're talking about because a cult will never encourage you to question things because they want you to follow, right? A cult will also always have a leader, which we don't, right? And this is the most important part. The idea of a leader implies we're going somewhere, which we're not. This is just about the human experience and it can only be done through each and every individual person. If there was ever a leader in any of this, it would fall apart. And we know that. It can't be about anyone other than you because it's always about you. And the more you know that, the more we come together. And it's not because we're gathering under an identity, like under the flag of dualistic unity, because how ridiculous is that? How would you even make that a flag? It's a paradox. So we're not gathering under an identity. We're gathering under the awareness that each and every one of us are what is. There's nothing to bind us together because there's nothing that could take us apart. We don't have to join. We've never stopped being what we are. So I just want to say very quickly to everyone who came to the retreat, everybody who will come to the retreat and experience this when they come back to the world and they run into people who have never, ever even considered the fact that they can be safe around other people once they stop identifying and the other people understand the same point. It's a magical experience and it's very difficult to come back to the world, but it is such a stark reminder of why we're doing this work of why we're doing this for ourselves, because shouldn't everyone have the opportunity to experience what it's like to just feel like they can be themselves with other people who want to feel the same way? Is that so much to ask? I mean, we can ask billions of people to believe in a, well, in zombie Jesus. And yet asking people to be able to be open enough and experience what it is to actually love each other as an extension of one another, that has to be cult-like. It sounds extreme and metaphysical. It's the most grounded thing in the world. It's just that we're so far removed from reality that it seems, it seems like a dream for some that can't happen. And it seems like a nightmare for others that depend on it never happening. Absolutely. It's, it's fascinating to see and I, I've been with people from the retreat who I've been in communication with um, in different avenues talking about their experiences so far. And some of them are being met with an aggressive pushback. And I see that literally as the collective ego pushing back against the recognition that it might not actually exist. It might not actually be real in the way that it thinks it is. So this experience that people are talking about of dropping their walls, recognizing that they're not what they think they are, being vulnerable and open with people that they've only spent a week with, the ego can't even comprehend it. It's like, what do you mean 
you're with, with people you haven't met and you're not super closed off and worried and nervous and afraid and defensive, well, those are all my go-tos. So if I'm not that, then maybe I'm not real. And so it has to be that type of pushback. It's, it's a requirement of it because otherwise it would have to look within. It would have to question itself, question its own existence. And when I say it, I'm talking about the collective ego that is being portrayed through the humans that we have relationships with, the people that are in our lives. So I don't even see it necessarily as individuals coming at you. I see it as a collective mentality coming at you, trying to survive, doing everything it can to survive. And that's going to inflict a lot of pushback for something when you recognize that it may not, because within yourself, you're seeing that it may not, and you're recognizing more closely what you might actually be and the potential that is there without so much of this identity that you've held on to for your entire life. What's actually available beyond this place that we have avoided looking beyond for so long. We've gotten comfortable settling into this idea that, oh yeah, life is conflict. Now we, we can't get along with people that we've never met before. And so if you come and tell me that it is possible, I'm not gonna look at myself. I'm gonna push back. I'm gonna fight. For, for my existence, for, for my ability to continue clinging onto this illusion that makes me feel comfortable when it isn't actually. It's a false sense of comfort, which is shown by the response. There it is. There's the consequence of holding onto this, is this aggressive response that, that people oftentimes receive when they begin to recognize that, oh, maybe there's another, another way to live. So it's not to say that this will always be the case, but I think it's helpful to recognize where it comes from, recognize the necessity of the collective ego to respond in that way, because it's not personal to you, They're not coming at you, they're coming at the idea that you're coming closer to recognizing, or the lack of ideas that you're coming closer to recognizing, that you can exist without these ideas, without this perception of division between you and the other, because it exists, it thrives off of the belief that there are others. And so therefore it always has to be in conflict with anyone that comes close to this recognition. Nicely said. It's interesting to look at the collective and understand that it really is your ego, my ego. It's the same ego. It's the idea of what we are as opposed to the reality of what we are. And it's such an interesting thing to see that dichotomy or that balance so far out of whack, right? Because that's all this is really about. And you're right, I think to some degree that the collective does respond each time the individual starts to wake up because the collective thrives on safety in numbers, right? The more of us agree, the better off we are. And so we all congregate underneath different group labels or different identities, whether it be nationalism or religion or, or the name of a city that you live in even, right? You identify. And so we all have this in common and that binds us together. And I just want to say quickly that at the retreat, there were numerous different points of view that didn't align. Like there were different types of, of lifestyles that everybody came from. We didn't agree on everything. We didn't have to. That was the whole point, right? It's funny. My wife has asked this, is there anything that 
you and Andrew don't agree on? And I laugh. I'm, like, I'm sure a lot of things. We just don't focus on it. Like it's not something that's necessarily important because there are more similarities than differences. And I don't mean similarities in our point of view. I mean similarities in that we both exist. The experience of existence in itself is what binds us together, all of us. But we aren't talking about that experience often enough for it to actually have an influence over how we live, right? And that's it, is that we're so busy talking about politics. We're so busy talking about capitalism. We're so busy talking about racism. We're talking about all these things, but we're not talking about the foundational element that underlies all of it, which is our existence as a whole. We say, oh, that's philosophy or that's spirituality. No, that's the first action of any sane being. Coming to terms with where you are, why you're there, or at least the nature of where you are and why you're there, right? But we're, we don't do that. We just carry on. Like the point of this is making money. And that's the entire focus of our society is digging holes, filling them in, making sure somebody gets paid so they can pay someone else and pay someone else and pay someone else till we get back to the hole. There is no underlying purpose to the rest of our society for the most part, except maybe going to space. I think that might be like the next big thing other than money, space, where I'm sure we'll try to make more money. Like we have a very limited, limited view of what existence is all about because we never think about it. And whenever somebody does, we're like, oh, believe in this. And because we're not even allowed to have the conversation, we're like, okay, I'll do that. At least they, these people will talk about it. And that's often the case. Like we'll join a religion because at least they're talking about it. Right? So now if I learn to speak their language, why? Why can't we have a common language? Because the common language is the language we're using, which is the language of existence. It's just that we're not talking about the, the things that are at the, at the root of all this. We're talking about all of the extraneous superfluous shit that goes on top of the illusion, which is why we can't get out of it. So again, this is going to be fun because we've been doing this now for, for three seasons. And over those three seasons, we've seen this conversation continue to grow, not just grow, but we've seen the engagement there on a big, big level. Like people are writing to us and they're telling us how useful the things that we're talking about are in their lives. But more than that, and this is my favorite message that I get from people, you are both talking about things that I have thought about my whole life and never had an opportunity to talk to others about or rarely. That's beautiful. I love that. If that's the only purpose to dualistic unity is to make it so you feel like this conversation should be acceptable and is acceptable to a certain type of person who is at least not cutting themselves off from everything. That's awesome. That's really all we want because this conversation is important so important that it scares people away, which is why they cling to their identity, to run away from the size of the abyss of all the insight and everything else that you would, you would find yourself to be if you weren't clinging to a small limited version of that in a fictitious form. Absolutely. Yeah. If we're doing anything here, it's just being an environment for people to recognize it. I was thinking fostering or creating, but it's not even that because we're it. 
this this conversation, even just the ability to listen to someone else who has been talking about and chewing on the same stuff you've been chewing on. It's like, oh shit, maybe I'm not crazy. And that was exactly how I felt. Not that I thought that I was crazy after I started to wake up to recognize that I'm not really so much what I think I am. Came across Ray's stuff after, I think it was like a month or so after. And it was the first time I had heard anyone saying anything like I was talking about. Like, I wasn't sure that anyone else was talking about. I was talking about how I'm not Andrew. I'm not Andrew. And I kept saying, I made nonstop videos for like two weeks after I had that recognition. And I'm like, I'm not Andrew and you're not what you think you are. And I didn't hear any, even in, you know, spiritual communities, they're not willing to question that idea, that identity. Like they're, they're because they need it. They need it for what they're trying to foster, which is a larger idea of themselves or, or a more of an idea of themselves as something that is more. And it's the same. It's, it's so funny. We've been talking today on our, our live streams and stuff about how people, because we believe that identity is a core truth, that if we're not this identity, we must be some other identity. Same with religion. If I'm not this belief system, I must be this belief system. And that's why people go from, you know, Christianity or some other monotheistic religion like that to spirituality, it's just jumping to another belief system. You're just clinging to another belief or astrology. Like, well, I must believe something. If this isn't, if I don't know if this is my belief anymore, then what, what is my belief? And it's, it's fascinating, but something that I've been, that I was thinking about the other day was how often we get caught up in creating this idea or thinking about this idea that society's the problem and other people are the problem and I need to fix and work on society. And I sort of had this, I don't know, recognition or insight or whatever that the issue isn't society. The issue is me. No matter how clearly I see things, the issue is me because it's all me. And if you come at it from the perspective that it's society, that's the issue, then I'm starting to see things more clearly and, oh, I wish everyone else would get it. And, oh, my partner, they're not getting it. And, and it's just creating a lot of conflict. Oh, my parents, they're not getting it. It's like we're foisting this responsibility onto everyone else. And if you're seeing so many other, quote unquote, other people, how clearly are you really seeing it? So it has to come back to that responsibility of the issue is me. Maybe not the idea of you or the core of the issue is the idea of you as something that is existing separate from society that isn't the issue because society is the issue. And it's all caught up in division, in the perception of division taken as truth, and the idea of me that is separate from everything. And so the, the issue always has to be you. It's always been you. And it always will be you. So it, there's, a, there's a level of responsibility that comes with that. But it's, not, it's never the idea of you. That's what we get caught up in is thinking, oh, you know, when we're not seeing maybe so much clarity or unity or whatever, and we're, we're very much divided, we see ourselves as, as the issue in the sense of our idea of ourselves. And then through that process, we recognize, oh, I'm not the issue. But then we get caught up in thinking that everyone else is the issue. And then it comes full circle to recognizing that I am the issue as everything else, but I can't foist it 
onto anything else. And it's that deeper responsibility that it may not be on this idea of me. I may not be inflicting so much harm on myself and other people, but it's still me that's the issue, the true you, not the idea that you've held onto, that you've built throughout your entire life. So it has to come back to you on both sides. And that's not about blame. That's the funniest part, right? Is that there's no blame there, just responsibility. It's all because it doesn't matter how you feel about it. It's always been true and it will always be true. And it's not that you're the issue. It's the ripples you make and the mentality that helps create those ripples. And that's it. That's all your life's about. What ripples are you embodying? Because that's what's coming back full circle. But it's not just full circle to your individual existence because you are not an individual in existence. It's full circle to you. Existence. So it continues on through the generations that are all still us, right? And so if we're going to change direction, then we have to change direction as a multi-generational being. We actually have to start looking at it that way. Kind of lends a new light to the seven generations thing. That's how big we could see ourselves being. Imagine it's like trying to predict the movement of a giant, seven generations big. It's a pretty good way of looking at it, actually. But the point is, is that with that mentality, you know that you can't just go out and protest government corruption because all you're doing is you're trying to get those who are farthest removed from the mentality we're talking about, so far removed that they actually paid their way to positions of authority, quote unquote, and define themselves thusly, but they were asking them to change things rather than understanding that we're what needs to change. We are the change, right? So... That's how backwards we are right now. And you'll see bigger and bigger protests all the time. And you'll at the same, at the same speed as those protests increase, you will see more and more government corruption as they ignore those protests. It's part of the same machine. But to take accountability means for your relationships, for each and every moment of your life, which means that each and every moment that you habitually get lost and worrying about yourself, thinking about yourself, trying to perceive yourself a certain way, thinking about conversations that have never happened, that kind of thing, are all moments that you could have been relaxed and at ease and possibly had an insight that led you down a path that changed your life and all the lives of the people around you. But there's the soil isn't rich enough to plant those seeds because it's covered in vines and those vines are our ego what we think is real, what we think is possible, what we think we're capable of doing based on what everybody else has told us and whatever justifications we might have from our entire life. But it's just habit. And as we start to get rid of all of those habits, all of a sudden there's way more room, consciously, energetically, however you'd like to put it, for insight. And insight creates opportunity. Because the more you see, the more you're able to do with what you see. And that's the whole journey is just allowing ourselves to see. But right now we're feeling suffocated. We're feeling crowded. We're feeling disconnected. We're feeling like we don't know what to do and life has no purpose. Collectively, we're feeling like this and we're blind. We're trusting people who are just as blind to save us. And all they're doing is making the system worse while delivering false promises and breaking those promises inevitably, which of course they will, because they keep doubling down on the same mechanism of control and identity. 
So it's always going to lead to the same disconnect. It's always going to lead to the same corruption. It's always going to lead to cutting corners and focusing on your own greed and your own needs and your own sense of lack. As long as we think that way, as long as we identify in a way that creates that division and that lack, the system is going to emulate it. The system is going to reflect it. But again, we have to stop thinking of ourselves as individual and we have to start recognizing that we are one. And as such, it takes time to roll over as this giant. It takes time to change our collective mind because your mind, just your mind, is a single synapse in our collective. So imagine how important it is that you fire brightly and clearly without getting in your own way because it helps everybody around you do the same. But that doesn't mean talking to them about it at the deep end. It just means being it, which means talking at their level when you can, because you're always aware and empathetic. It's just fluidity. That's all we're talking about. Yeah. Be a light unto yourself as the self within the collective shining at yourself in every single moment. And as we get caught up, in trying to save the world or help the world. You have to be aware and be willing to have an honest look at your intention because so often when people get caught up in that ideology of saving the world, it's like, do you actually want to help or do you just want to build up the idea of yourself even more as something that is helpful? And so I think when we get caught up, because when we talk about how our individual perception and, and what we think is best or right or wrong kind of cuts off that intelligence from acting within us that is only available when we relax into the reality of uncertainty. So when we do get caught up in ideologies, in you know being this thing that's going to save the world from itself and me as this you know ego identity that's that's helping it, we get caught up in, well, this is how we have to do it. This is the right way to go about things. And this is the wrong way to go about things. And all of those ideas are entrapping that intelligence that knows, inherently knows what to do in each and every moment, not with a grand blueprint or idea, but just through the sensitivity of being able to be connected with itself as reality. So as we get caught up in the quote unquote right and wrong way to go about saving the world, we're cutting off that intelligence from being able to act through us. So we have to be uncertain. We have to relax into the recognition that we don't necessarily have the big answers right now. But through that clarity, we're able to act in a way that leads to that answer. And so often in the egoic mentality, when I talk to people close to me about these things and point out some of the issues, they're like, well, okay, well, then what's the answer, Mr. Smarty Pants? And I'm like, I don't have one, honestly, but that's okay. But I, I can see the issue with these things. I can see what's wrong with this type of thing and all the consequences that we're perceiving that we're not willing to look at because we're not willing to be uncomfortable and see that maybe something we're holding on to is actually causing con conflict and consequence because it's bringing up this idea of ourselves that we hold on to so dearly. So it all goes together, letting go of that idea of yourself, being willing to be uncertain, being willing to point out some consequences we're experiencing and not have an answer for how it's going to change right now in terms of you know what the best thing to do 
in one year or five years or 10 years or 100 years is, but through that lack of certainty of this is exactly what we have to do, intelligence begins to arise because we're allowing it to. As we have these steadfast and solidified ideas and plans, and this is exactly how it has to go, we cut ourselves off from that flow, from that ability to tap into that deeper intelligence because it's our idea of ourself that has this, that, that knows what's best. I know what's best. And I know that you're wrong. And, and this side of history is right. And this side of history is wrong because I know this for sure. And you never do. But it's through that mentality of being willing to relax into the uncertainty, being willing to face the unknown and question it and talk about it and work through it and not be so insecure that you feel like you have to hold on to an answer to keep yourself afloat or or to keep yourself alive in a sense your your idea of yourself alive through that false sense of certainty it's being willing to let go and having the faith that you'll land on your feet even without that perfect idea of the way you think things should exactly go yeah and that's the funniest part about the idea of landing on your feet is you're not even worried about that necessarily because you're eternal, right? The worst that could happen is you die, which isn't you, which we've talked about many times. Right? And I would like to take this moment as, as a matter of fact, for anybody who has been listening to the podcast up until now, just through this one episode, but hasn't tuned into the three seasons that came before this episode. If you followed all the way through right up until I went, and the worst that could happen is that you die. And that was the part that you went, whoa, what the fuck just happened? I really want to encourage you to just go back to season one and watch episode one all the way through the entirety of season one, because we do explain it in depth. Um, a quick summary version would be that, of course, we are not the individual we perceive ourselves to be, that we are all, in fact, what is, that we are the awareness of the universe, the awareness of reality expressing itself through a dualistic illusory division and as a result the worst that could happen is that we die and then we continue on as all the other illusions and the illusion that we just died from because there is no time and space okay i just made that so much worse and that's really our fear of death is the end of that idea of ourself is the end of that illusion which is available now to recognize that it isn't the truth it's not to kill your ego one of the most egotistical things you could ever possibly do just to recognize that it isn't the truth of what you are, to let go of that idea that you hold on so securely for the false sense of certainty because you feel like you need it because you feel like without it, you don't know what you are and that makes you panic. It's okay to not know what you are. It's actually entirely necessary and it's actually entirely necessary in order to interact with reality without being caught up in so many illusions. Like you need to be uncertain about yourself in order to grow, in order to be free because uncertainty and freedom go hand in hand. As soon as you're certain about what you think you are or this idea of yourself, you're in a prison, you're cutting yourself off. Every moment moving forward, you hold on to that idea of yourself. Like you already have a preconceived notion about how the thing is gonna go. So as you're able to let go of that idea of yourself, you're able to be free, you're able to experience new things. And that's what is the point of all of this? If you're not experiencing new things and recognizing new insights, if you're holding on to what is known, 
in every situation, what you've always known, bringing it into everything moving forward, cutting yourself off from what's new, from all of the new potential experiences that you could have, all of the freedom that you could experience as you let go of what you think you know about yourself. Test it. Give it a shot. Question what you think you know about you. Every idea that comes up right now for the rest of the day, for the rest of the week, anytime an idea comes up about what you think you are, just question it and know deep down that it isn't the truth of what you are. Never could be because you can't define yourself. You can't know yourself. You are what is here now. And anything you hold on to that defines yourself is just an idea. It's just an illusion. It's going to cut you off from recognizing the freedom and all of the potential that you have available to you in every single moment. And it may feel comfortable to put yourself in that box because you're not looking at the consequence of putting yourself in that box, which is to be afraid of everything that's not in that box. So there is immediately a consequence. And we were talking about this the other day because ultimately the reason that we hold on to this limited version of ourself is because the alternative is to continue to question what we are and see more and more and more and more and more. And it just continues on forever without you settling on a single concept. You always see more and more and more. And there is the abyss of infinity that can get very uncomfortable. You talk about it like, yeah, it's freedom. Let go. Yeah. With freedom goes the danger of falling. And if you are relying on your idea of yourself and you're like, I don't have fucking wings, that's terrifying. Right. But understand that that's just part of the prison that you put yourself in, that there is nothing to fear. Right? You can't fall because you are the entirety of everything that is. And it's very important to remember that. But I wanted to go back to this because we were talking about the abyss of everything that you are and how terrifying it is to see that you are everything at first because there's a lot of assumptions that go with that it can be a little bit shocking when you really get a good look down the barrel of eternity um and so it's interesting because that recognition of how much we are is always there but because we're so committed to the box protecting us we actually avoid thoughts that would help us see how much more we are. And we talked about this in our live stream yesterday and I want to talk about it again today. When we're really committed to that box, there are thoughts that we have that we call intrusive thoughts. And the key word there is intrusive as if they're getting into the box and they're fucking everything up. But those intrusive thoughts, we always think to ourselves, oh, I would never do that. I would never say that. I would never want to cause harm like that. Why am I having these thoughts? That must mean something about me that I am a terrible person. Not recognizing that the entire time we've been saying, I would never do that, I would never say that. The reason we would never do and never say that is because we are aware of the consequences of doing so. We're aware that it's a possibility. We're actually thinking about the things that would happen if we ever did that. And if we weren't, we would do those things. So we think of them as intrusive thoughts when in fact, it's our expanding awareness. But we always make the mistake of thinking that expanding your awareness is always about feeling good. It's not. It's about expanding your awareness of the whole spectrum. And that is what changes what you do. They're not intrusive thoughts. You just don't like them. But they don't identify you. They don't mean anything about you except that you are everything. So as soon as you can accept those thoughts as being necessary to the person that you've become, 
as actually helping you along, like helping hands carrying you as you learn to walk, the more you'll start to see more and more and more of what the what's in there, of what is actually still part of the entire matrix that makes you what you are right now. Just don't resist them. Don't resist the thoughts because they're all just part of the path that you're on. They're not intrusive unless you're afraid of them. And you're only afraid of them if you think that they mean something negative about you. They don't. You don't have to be afraid. Yeah, I love that you brought this back up because uh, I know we were talking about it yesterday, but it is a fun and interesting conversation that I've never gone this route with intrusive thoughts. And it's it's fun and I'm glad we're talking about it again because when you recognize that you're not what you think you are and that idea of yourself isn't the truth of what you are, the walls begin to come down and you start to be able to recognize yourself in everything. And as Ray just said, everything means everything. It's not your preference about what you want to see in everything or as everything. It's like, I'm everything. And that's amazing. And, and it's all sunshine and rainbows and butterflies. And it's also fiery burning hell demons is also exists within everything because everything is everything. And so an analogy I was talking about yesterday was this idea of, you know, the collective consciousness being a rubber ball with a bunch of little rubber spikes coming out of it. And every rubber spike is, is a human and and the ball within it is hollow and it's one, the one mind. And there's all of these thoughts bouncing around. And when you think that you're just the spike, you have certain preferences an idea of what you are and what you think you are. And as certain, you know, things you don't enjoy and, and negative thoughts arise, they're bouncing around inside the collective. And then all of a sudden you become aware of one of them. You're like, oh, whoa, I don't like that one. Ooh, what does that mean about me? And because everything within that experience that you're having, you begin to identify with because you are so enthralled with your thoughts and, you, and even calling them your thoughts. You think of them as your thoughts, like you own them because you're so identified with this idea of yourself, with this thing that you're so attached to. And so all that intrusive thoughts may be are collective awareness, eternity, tapping at you being like, hey, you're not this limited idea. There's more here. I know you think of yourself as this, you know, you have this positive idea of yourself or whatever. It's it's still here. And even on the flip side, say you have a super negative idea of yourself and you're so used to having all these negative thoughts. Then all of a sudden, you know, some other thoughts come tapping at you, some perceived as positive thoughts arise. And you're like, that doesn't fit my narrative. And you resist those. That happens too. That can absolutely happen too. When you drive your value, when you're so deep in the shit that you're driving your value from the negative ideas that you're holding onto, and you have this negative idea of yourself that you keep bringing in to each moment, maybe there's on the flip side, some positive thoughts that arise from the collective tapping on you and being like, hey, there's more here. You're not just this idea of yourself that you hold onto. So whether it's positive or negative, whether you have a positive idea of yourself and there's negative intrusive thoughts coming in, or there's positively intrusive thoughts coming in, both of them are opportunities to recognize that you are more than what you think you are, that you are significantly more vast than this limited idea of yourself that you hold on to. Because when you recognize that you're everything, that includes everything and all of the thoughts, all of the potential perspectives, all of the potential things that have ever been done and could ever be done exist within your mind. And so all of those things that arise that you're like, oh, I don't like that one. 
It's like we're not willing to look at it and see what potentially could be the reason for that arising, not even the reason, but just a potential perspective of that arising because we're so sure of this idea of ourself as being something that when something comes up to question it, like, no, not that. We're not willing to question it, even though this is an opportunity to question it. So it makes you wonder and, and makes you begin to maybe appreciate when they come up and, and arise. And because when we get caught up in those ideas and there's sort of a uh, process, I guess, of our relationship with the intrusive thoughts, like it begins with taking them to be the truth and, and being like, oh, I don't like them. So we resist them. Resistance gives them attention keeps them around. And that's when people suffer a lot. And they're like, oh, I can't get my mind to shut the fuck up because you keep giving attention to these things. And going back to the ball analogy, there's tons of shit bouncing around all over the place. And you just become aware of one of them. And you're like, I don't like that one. I don't like that one. And that's you just giving it a ton of attention. It's like, I'm still here. You keep keeping me around. The thoughts probably thinking if the thoughts was, thought was an animate object, it'd be like, you keep thinking about me. I'm, I'm still here. I'm still, you keep giving me attention. I'm, I'm going to stick around more. Whereas if you recognize in that analogy that there's an infinite number of potential perspectives, potential thoughts that could arise. So as you recognize that, the vastness of that, you don't attach to the ones that pop up. You don't take them so seriously, just like you don't have to take your idea of yourself to be so serious. And as you let go of the seriousness of yourself, of this entire experience, those thoughts that arise, you don't take as seriously. And then other thoughts arise and, and you see more freedom in your ability to recognize different things. And you don't feel so powerless in reality. And you're able to let go of anything that arises, be it a thought or a situation or a perspective in every moment. It's interesting because we were talking earlier today on our live stream Quickly wanted to mention to everybody that we are live streaming regularly now. You can actually find our group discussion and live streaming schedule on our website. Just go to our new website because we re just redesigned that as well. Under the community tab, you'll find our group and live streaming schedule. Um, back to the live streaming conversation I was just talking about. We were basically talking about how each and every concept that we hold on to about ourselves, each self-image that we hold on to, each perception that we hold on to of ourselves, detaches us from reality it splits our attention in half each and every time and so we actually find ourselves out of alignment with what's happening we actually find ourselves out of step with the beat of the universe as it were and so we're so lost in our thoughts that now we have so many more mistakes to judge ourselves for and it becomes this downward spiral where the less energy you give your thoughts the more energy you give reality and it's so very interesting to see that trade because it is, it is actually a trade. And I've seen this in Kung Fu. The more you're thinking about yourself, the less you are in what you're doing. It's true. If you're working construction, it's true. If you're a lawyer, it's true. If you're in the middle of a court case, it's true. In a tennis game, it's true anywhere. The more you're thinking about yourself, the less you are focused on what is actually happening. And the more likely you are to hurt yourself or others or to make a mistake, or to just not put in the same degree of effort or work or quality that you would have otherwise. 
And it really is just that simple of a trade. That's all it is. And we don't want it to be more complicated than that. What we're saying at the heart of all of this is that you're overcommitted on the one side, typically. And the only reason for that is because society itself has been saying you should overcommit to that one side because that's the part that drives society. That's the part that drives capitalism. That's the part that drives the government. That's the part that drives this egotism and greed and the this simple fact alone should say everything that there's 85 people in the world who own as much as three and a half billion of the poorest people on the planet. Just drink that in. 85 people have the same amount of money as three and a half billion. And that's okay. I'm not even talking about redistributing wealth. That's insane that that would even have, that would, that would even make sense to somebody to have that degree of inequality, to have that degree of asset and see everyone else suffering. Could you imagine the mentality, the complete lack of awareness it would take to not have empathy for people starving when you could literally change their entire world? That's the problem. It's not capitalism. It's the mentality that creates capitalism. It's the mentality that says you and I are separate. And that as long as I'm doing okay, it doesn't matter how you're doing. You're obviously not working hard enough. Despite the fact that the game is tilted. This system requires all of us to work constantly for something that doesn't make sense. It's not even about survival. It's not even about quality of living anymore. How skewed is that? We're not even working to improve our quality of life because as soon as we're like, oh, we're going to have robots to do the manual labor, everybody panics. Why? Because we know damn well that's not going to equate to us having less work to do. We know, we know the system. We understand that if they find robots to do those jobs, they'll find other shit for us to do. Or they'll find a way to pay us even less for the shit we're already doing. Because that's the system. You can't expect it to change, but the problem is, is that most people don't expect it to change. All they're really hoping for is to be on top of the pile. One of our uh, community members, one of our dualistic unity family members, let's just say it straight up, um, was sharing an article about some of the entrepreneurs in the world that are doing great things for for people who can't necessarily afford housing and, and, and all of these things. And I think that's fantastic, but they're still doing it in a system that eventually is going to undermine them as soon as they can take control of that company, right? Like if you're a corporation and you're willing to sell at some point, somebody's going to buy you and start cutting corners, undermine you, right? Because that's the nature of the system. We have to get to a point where it's not about money. We have to get to a point where we actually see our, ourselves and everyone else. Otherwise, this is just going to continue the way it is. And again, there's nothing wrong with that. We're eternal. We could all get wiped right out. And we will continue on for an eternity as everything else throughout all other time periods. Fine. But if we're enjoying this, because it's an awesome experience being human, this planet, pretty damn awesome. And I don't know about you, but I really like people when they're not hitting themselves in the face with their ego. So 
don't despair and don't get angry about where the world's at, but understand that every ripple we make as a result of the mentality that we're in is important. It's fundamental. But if you take it too seriously, you undermine that ripple because it really is just about relaxing and being one, not tensing and not causing a cramp, a cramp in our collective body, as it were, because that's, that's all we're doing by getting tense and, and resisting everything that's happening is we're just not working with the rest of us. But as we learn to, as we learn to feel that, that pace, that alignment, that resonance, that vibration, that connection, it's really hard to describe. As we learn to feel ourselves as one, as we actually gain sensitivity for the flow that we all are, and we are all a part of reality will change but at the moment we're so mechanistic like in terms of our society we're so superficial and we're so lost that it's hard for us to change direction because we don't even know what that means yeah absolutely i was talking about some of this stuff societal overarching themes with my brother the other day and a lot about these types of things and just you know the the nature of just the incessant need for more from the ego and the collective ego. And so he asked me, he was like, so are you guys like communists? And, and immediately I was like, well, no, that's just another label. But it made me think about it. Cause I was like, I haven't necessarily thought about that. Like we, we see the issues with capitalism in our society and we've seen historically the issues with communism and the way I began to think about it, because we started talking about it a little bit. And it's like the idea of capitalism that everyone who, or the idea of communism that everyone who identifies with being capitalist is super anti is not what we are, because that's been a historical thing where it's, it's not coming from within. It's not a mentality shift. It's still within the egotistical nature. It's like trying to change things from the top down instead of the bottom up. Instead of changing the mentality or shifting the mentality from within, and maybe something that's closer to communism makes more sense when it's through yourself, recognizing the wholeness and completeness that you are, like sharing things, being communal, not hoarding so much for yourself, not holding on to this idea that your value is predicated based off of the amount of money that is in your bank account, that your value isn't based off of the size of your house, that your value isn't based off of the type of your car, that your value isn't based off of how attractive your husband or wife or partner or children look or how much success they have or anything like that. As you let go of those needs for the external to derive your value, something further from this type of capitalistic society that's just more for me and how much can I hold on to because that is exactly where I derive my value from relative to you. How much do I have relative to you? It's not even how much do I have. It's how much do I have relatively to the rest of society. It's always been like that. Like what we see as, you know, peak now is significantly different than peak, you know, 30, 40 years ago in terms of wealth, in terms of what we have but it's the same sort of incessant need. It's the same type of comparison on a completely different level. And, and that gap between those 85 versus the 3.5 billion, which is crazy, is not going to be fixed by the system 
becoming a different type of egotistical system that is manned at the helm by egotistical people trying to change everyone else because they have this idea of the correct way of doing things. Like we've seen that attempted in the past already. And so it has to come from within. And that's why, you know, this shift isn't going to happen overnight, but it is happening. It's always happening as you it's happening. It doesn't have to be seen with all of society. It's like on our talks yesterday, we were talking about the poles than the earth. People have this idea. I had this idea. I didn't know this before that, you know, the poles that go throughout the earth or, or the idea of where you, you would think it would be, you know, one pole going through from the South pole to the North pole. It's just on one, you know, long axis that it sort of revolves around and no, it's a bunch of tiny little axes or polarities with positive and negative charge, or I don't know, I'm not a very scientific guy, but <laughs> so those, as they begin to shift, they shift those around them. As they, as they change, they change those around them until every so often the whole thing takes a flip, takes a turn or, or shifts or changes, but it's from all of the little tiny shifts that are made along the way. And that's the same with society. You don't have to go around trying to shift the whole pole of the earth. You just have to shift your own. And it's not even that you have to try and shift those around you. You just have to be that shift. It's all it ever is. Stop trying to change other people because if you're seeing other people, you're not getting it. You're not seeing it. So all you ever have to do is change yourself. And that is enough. That is enough. Be a light onto yourself as the world and the world will begin to notice. That's all you can really do. In fact, it's all you've ever really been doing, regardless of how you might think you're controlling other people. Really, they're, they're not doing what you say. Even if they have to, they're not doing it because of the reasons you want them to. You don't have control, is what I'm saying in general. And on that note, I want to go back to this idea of communism versus capitalism. And I always find this question really funny. What, what would the system be that would replace all of this? Because we really want a simplistic answer that our ego can rationalize. But it's a lot like Krishnamurti used to say when people would be like, okay, okay, so, so once I'm free of my ego, then it's going to be like this. And he would stop and he'd go, hold up, get there first. Stop trying to envision what it's like, because everything you're envisioning is through your ego. <laughs> everything you're thinking about right now is through the prison that you're still holding on to. Stop trying to answer what's going to happen when you get there, because that's stopping you from getting there. And the same is true for whatever system is going to replace this mess in terms of capitalism. And it's not going to be communism, though I think it's going to be in that vein. And, and what I mean is that it's not going to be everybody gets the same toothpaste or everybody gets the same that, that, that totally disregards human invention. But if we're going to talk about what the economy is going to be, there's not going to be one. Because the whole point is that money itself is fucked. Money doesn't make any sense. Like we evaluate things arbitrarily. It's not even based on what they're made of anymore half the time. Because I mean, half the shit you buy for, for 40, 50 bucks are built for less than a dollar. Right? It's got a brand name stuck on it. And you're like, yeah, sweet. So you're not even paying for that anymore. And that's very much the point. Right? Is that 
we use money to evaluate things because it drives the economy and it gives us a very easy way of saying this is more valuable than that. But subjectively, that's not necessarily true. Somebody who can't afford a whole lot who gets a small television is going to appreciate that television more than somebody who's had large screen TVs their entire life who gets another large screen TV. Which one of those TVs is more valuable? Is it based on appreciation? Or is it based on when they were built? Is it based on the use? Is it based on the function? What is it based on? Is it based on your ego? Or is it actually based on the experience that you're having? And isn't that subjective as well? And so we keep trying to evaluate things, despite the fact that value is different for each and every person. And that's the problem. The thing is, is that we like to create things. We like to produce things. People are like, well, why would I work if I wasn't getting paid? Well, that's a good question. What do you do for a living? Because the chances are that's the problem. Because if you had a different living that maybe you enjoyed, maybe you wouldn't mind doing it for free. Maybe, in fact, you think to yourself, well, I'm not doing anything anyway for four hours a day. Might as well put some time in to making these things that I think are awesome and other people would benefit from. Because we would. But there's always the consideration, well, where do I get the materials? Where's the shipping come from? What about marketing? Blah, 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 blah. Because we don't know how to work together. That's all it is. If we could all just recognize that we're all in this together, that we're all, in fact, working together, that all of us add value as a result of just being here, then we could honestly do an assessment of what we need individually and collectively and then work that shit out. That's how hard it would be, right? It's just to do an assessment of our needs from month to month, let's just say. Let's see what's producing what, in what area. Can we ship that simply over here because they don't have any of that? Nobody has to be talking price. Nobody has to mention dollars. Nobody has to mention a single dollar bill because they don't have to be involved, do they? Money doesn't produce things. People produce things. And they use money as justification because they have to, because all the food is locked away. And that's what keeps them doing what they're supposed to. And it has for fucking 10,000 years. And there is no difference. They still have the food locked away behind a wall. And if we don't do what they say, they fucking keep it because they have a monopoly on violence. But that monopoly has only existed because we've never been able to question it. We've never been able to question the mentality that makes them even think they have the right to fucking do that. And now we do. And now we are. And that's going to change things. Because again, we don't have to keep doing this where we don't recognize we're in this together. We don't have to. It's not an argument. We don't have to convince the system of shit. It really is just about you understanding it, not needing for yourself and finding that your cup is overflowing. And then you'll share it with everyone else, naturally. And I think being able to see this as even a potential option is something that we've been missing. We haven't seen it in our society. Being able to live without that insidious need for more or to, to value yourself based on what you have, what you get, or how other people see you, and just recognizing the wholeness and completeness that you always are. And that's where it has to come from, is the wholeness that you always are and always have been and letting go of that need for becoming more, having more, and thinking that that somehow equals how valuable 
you are. And through that, it's not, we're not trying, we've said it so many times, we're not trying to change people. We're just talking, being free within ourselves, which will allow people to recognize that it's an option, that it's actually possible. Because how rare is it to see in our society? Even the people with the best intentions still are so caught up in illusions. They still don't see their inherent connection to reality, to everyone else. Some do, but oftentimes it's still caught up in the egotistical mentality, thinking that you are something separate from what is. And it's like, we're seeing it as I love the cell analogy that literally we're experiencing a cancer as a society, an insidious need for more in the same way that tumors are built. When cells don't recognize, when they start seeing themselves as something separate from the body, they grow, they build, tumors build, cancers formed, then it kills the whole body. And if that's not a great representation of what we're experiencing right now. Literally, the need for more from individual cells as humans that don't know when to stop because there is no end to that. There's always going to be someone with more that you compare yourself to. And as long as you think that your value is derived from that, you're always going to be striving for that. And that's become our our gold star, our, our north star, our gold post or you know, our Mount Everest, it's just having as much as we can, having more without recognizing that it's weighing us down the entire time. Like we're experiencing the consequences on an individual level and a collective level, but on an individual level as we go, like you experience the consequences, you experience the the disconnect, the lack of freedom, even from the fear of someone taking what you have, you know, you have a bunch of investments and all of a sudden you're checking the stock market every single morning to see how much money you've gained or lost. And that dictates how you interact throughout your day because you have so much and then there's a big swing and you lose so much. Like that's where your value is derived from a number on a screen. It's the same for you were brought up uh, brand name things before. Like we're literally paying for ideas now because we see ourselves as an idea and that other idea gets added to this idea that we define ourselves as. And then we think that our idea is worth more now that we have this thing that we paid a certain amount of money for because we just bought an idea to put on an idea so that other people perceive us in a way who also base themselves and their value off of ideas and, and spend more money on other ideas to build the idea. And we're literally living in a fucking fairy tale that is so far removed from reality that we don't even see that it's a fucking fairy tale. That we think that if we don't believe this, we have to believe that. That not having a belief is a belief. It's how fucked we've gotten. Thinking that that actually does mean anything about us. And then if you don't believe in one thing or hold on to this, it must be something else, be it identity, belief system, religion, political belief. And it's always being reinforced. And so it's not about finding the right combination or the right formula of beliefs and ideas and ideologies and, and 
places to derive our value from. It's letting go of needing to derive our value from anything outside of the recognition that you're whole and complete now, that nothing could ever define you positively or negatively. It's literally impossible. And relaxing into that recognition will allow you to experience the clarity that is necessary to see what's worthwhile and what is actually able to change and shift. That's all it comes down to. That's quite literally all it comes down to, because the more you change your mentality, the more you change your buying habits and your priorities as a whole. And the system does not want that. The system wants you to feel a sense of lack. And I know I was a marketer for the longest time is one of the initial strategies for marketing that they teach you is find that want and target that want. Whereas once upon a time, it was, you know, find that need, fulfill that need, right? Not the actual like imagined need, but the actual need, which is like in the 1900s, it'd be like this pair of shoes will last you 40 years, guaranteed. It wasn't, you know, this pair of shoes will make you a better lover. <laughs> because who's not going to buy those pair of shoes, right? Especially if you doubt yourself as a lover. And that's the point. That's how things change. It became about your ego, right? But it's very much about just changing yourself. It's very much about just getting out of your own way and undermining everything the system wants you to do by just not wanting to do it. It's not by working against the system because even then, then you're kind of faking it. You know, to be like, well, I really like to buy this ice cream, but I'm supporting capitalism. That's not going to help you or, or anyone else, honestly, but not necessarily needing to go out and buy the most expensive ice cream made by you know the top brand name. That might help you right? Learning how to appreciate whatever it is you have rather than always needing what everybody perceives to be the best, that might help you, right? It's going to change society. And, and this is really all it's about is, again, recognizing that your cup is full. Because the more it is, the less you need. And the more you find yourself not only with a willingness, but an abundance of time and energy to give, just to give. And that is the closest to the economy that we really would be looking at in the future would be what they call a gift economy now, which is kind of funny because we still can't get over the idea of individualism. It's like, I'm giving you something, <laughs> right? And it's not even it, right? It's like, this is what I mean about normalizing altruism. This has been the point that we've been talking about for three seasons, just giving because you're not, you're not giving to anyone. You're just being more of yourself. And, and that's really all it is. And, and so when we say normalizing altruism, what we're really talking about is normalizing self-compassion on a global eternal level. It's all you. You're not giving to anyone. Right? It's all you. You're taking care of yourself through everyone. And if you had less need, if you had less lack, if you had less of a perception that you're not everyone, you wouldn't be as afraid. And you'd find more capacity to give. You'd find more capacity to want to be with people because you're not afraid of them. They're not trying to influence you. And if they are trying to influence you, you can empathize with where that's coming from. It changes everything. But that's the only way we change this. We can't go out and try and bring the system down because that's exactly how it thrives. Then we're giving it power. This is the thing about when people are like, oh, well, you know, the uh, World Economic Forum and the global elite, like they control everything. And it's like, and if I were them, that's exactly what I'd want you to think. That's exactly what I'd want you to think, that I control everything. Thank you very much for disempowering yourself. 
because that's in my that's in my best interest for you to disempower yourself. So I'm even going to help spread that rumor that we control everything. Did you know there's a secret society called the Illuminati that have been controlling everything for tens of thousands of years? They were here forever. You're fucked. How's that feel? It's disempowering as shit because it's another narrative. It doesn't actually exist in reality. Right now, here, you are reality. You have infinite potential. And from there, anything can happen. That's all you need to know. That's all you need to know. What came before now doesn't matter because what we do now is what changes it. This is the rudder of the ship. This is where direction is made or set by us and the choices that we make, which is why Andrew and I do this. Why, (laughs) much to the alarm and confusion of a great many people that I know, I've set myself at a cap for how much I'm going to make per month enough to basically pay my bills and sustain my family, as has Andrew. And why? Why have we done that? Well, because we don't need anything. And because the only thing that we really want to do is connect with you. And so all of the resources that come through doing this with you, with everyone else, with all of us just pulling it together, not monetarily, in terms of attention. You listening to this podcast right now is helping it grow. It's the attention just in the same way that you focusing on your own journey is helping you grow. It's the attention. And so as long as we're all putting our attention into our existence, into the conversation about existence, that conversation will grow. And the reality that exists because we are avoiding that conversation will start to change. And that's what this is about. That's why Andrew and I look forward to the day where There is enough coming in from these large corporations being willing to give us money to show their shitty ads on our, on our videos and on our podcast. We hope that when we get to the point where there's enough coming in that we can actually put a giant billboard in Times Square that says we are one, you are God, just over and over and over again, without any branding, if possible, just for the sake of putting the message for like four months, wouldn't that be great in everyone's face over and over and over again? Why? Not because it makes us any money, because again, we put, we've set a cap. <laughs> we don't want to make money, right? But because it spreads the conversation and it changes the world. It changes us. Or better, it's an expression of us changing and our priorities changing. Because who do you know who would do that? Who would have the opportunity to pocket that money, but would rather just spend it on a billboard that pisses a bunch of people off and rocks and boats? Fuck yeah, that is going to be a fun day when that thing goes up. I can I can picture now being in Times Square, taking a nice video of that thing, just going back and forth. We are one. You are God. I am you. We are one. You are God. I am you. Over and over and over and over. Oh, man. Yeah, but I mean, the beauty really in all of this is, you know, as much as we talk about society and shifts and the system and all of those things is that the ability to work on it and and recognize things more clearly is available to each and every one of us in every situation billions of times a day we have the opportunity to move towards ourselves or away from ourselves and every time we choose to move towards ourselves let go of the ideas that we've held on to that we think define us, that we think derive our value, that we think set us apart from everyone else, 
as we let go of those more and more, we become more and more free and it reinforces itself. And so that's one of my favorite things about all of this is how easily applicable and available. You don't have to go anywhere to do it. You don't have to go to a fucking gym or or even go outside or even move from wherever you're at right now, wherever you're listening to this. You have the opportunity in this moment to change all of reality. How powerful is that? In every moment, you don't have to go anywhere or do anything. You just have to let go of the idea that you need to be anywhere else other than where you are, that you need to be anything else other than what you are, that you need to say anything differently or look any differently or sound any differently. You don't. And there's so much freedom in that. You don't have to be any different. You don't have to change. Just be where you're at. Let go of the idea that you think you have to change. Here and now, that's all it ever is. Every moment, so much beauty in that. And so much freedom that comes with that recognition because there isn't even energy that you have to expend to recognize this. If anything, you're going to be saving some energy by recognizing these things in this moment because so much of our energy is spent trying to defend that idea, trying to hold on to that idea, trying to build that idea. It's fucking exhausting thinking about yourself all the time. It's a practice. You can let go. You can you can recognize that you're not what you think you are. And so that in every moment, no matter what anyone thinks about you, because you're also not what anyone thinks about you, and you're not what you think they think about you, you're never a thought, you're never an idea, you're never a concept, you're never this illusion that we've held onto for so long to build up our sense of self. And beyond that, you are what it is. So it's, it's not about building anything. It's about letting go of the need to build or hold on to it. And through that, everything changes and everyone around you changes and shifts happen that you couldn't even imagine or expect. And that's what's fun. That's what's fun about being reality is that you don't know what's going to happen, but you're there for it. It's like you're watching it unfold as it's happening, but it's not so personal anymore. So as things go up and down, you're not tying your value to those experiences. You're just observing it, just kind of watching it happen, but being a part of it and being able to be involved in it and make subtle shifts or have subtle influence in it, as opposed to feeling this need to control everything beyond this moment because you're so afraid. You're holding on to that control because you're afraid of what may happen and what it may mean about you. But when you let go of anything meaning anything about you, because you can't define you, everything gets a lot more fun and a lot more exciting. And you wake up like, hmm, I wonder what crazy shit's going to happen today that That'll be pretty exciting, huh? wonder what's going to come out of my mouth today because I don't even know because I'm not preparing for anything to come out because I know that anything that comes out doesn't mean anything about me. It's just happening. And I'm appreciative for being able to be involved in it. <laughs> and I can just hear the ego saying, oh, well, if you're not worried about what you're saying all the time, what if you cause some harm? What if you hurt someone's feelings? And it's like, well, the whole point of not worrying about all that shit is so I have more awareness and empathy. And that's why I wouldn't do those things. Have a little faith in yourself. Isn't that what you'd like to tell the ego face to face? Have a little faith. Stop trying to control everything. Because really, that's all it comes down to. But I just want to say, I understand what it's like when you're in the shit and, and we're talking about like, just let go, just relax, just be where you are. And maybe you're sitting in your room thinking, 
I'd really like to find a job. Or, you know, my roommate's a real dick. I'd like to move out of here. And you're saying I should just accept it? Yes and no. What I'm saying is accept that, you're, that you are where you are because that's not going to change anything if you're resisting it. Don't judge yourself for being there. It's not about you or the story of you or your value or anything like that. It doesn't indicate anything other than that you got here. And that's pretty much it. So once you've accepted that and you're not beating yourself up for it and you more or less have the option of either moving if you can or changing the situation if you can and if you can't, finding a new perception of that situation, finding a new insight about yourself, finding a way to get past your preferences or past the beef you have with your roommate or so on and so forth to grow as a person. And often what happens is suddenly you'll find an opportunity as a result of that growth that you didn't see before because you couldn't have because you didn't grow to be able to see that opportunity. That. It's the idea of, okay, and then what? We can't tell you that. I wish we could. I wish we could tell you what will happen when you just magically relax and an opportunity presents itself, but they don't always feel like opportunities. You can't actually see them. And there's no way for us to make a list because it really is in the nuance and subtlety of each and every moment. It really is. You might see something and, and have a thought to yourself, hey, that might be fun to try. And your question next should be, am I doing that to feel better about myself? No, I was just interested. Maybe I'll go try that and follow your intuition. And that's where that sensitivity comes in, where you actually start to feel what is flow derived versus what is ego derived in terms of your intentions. Because you can tell the difference once you start to feel it out, once you start to become self-honest enough that you're like, oh yeah, that's just me trying to feel superior or in control. Once you're aware of that, you know when you have an intention that's based there. And when you don't, follow it. Because often there's something there that's more than just individually derived or, or uh, that's more than just originating from your individual self because again you are not the individual self and if you're not relying on your ego there's a certain degree of connection that comes with that and you will start to feel like you are a part of the flow of everything around you and it will change your intentions and it will change what you think is possible and that will change your life and your opportunities but it really just starts one moment at a time of getting the shit out of the way just getting all of that stuff that's removing your clarity out of the way, that doesn't mean things are going to magically turn into a new thing overnight, but it does mean that each and every opportunity or each and every moment that you're going through, but it does mean that each and every moment that you're going through is going to be a new opportunity because you will be a different person going through them because you're not the person you think you are. And that's really all the potential you need. Stop putting yourself in a box and let the rest happen. And that's it. That, that's very much what we want to communicate. You've got this. It just takes time to unfold. This is not a one-time deal. As much as it, as it is a one-step process, that process continues to happen over and over and over again. And, and so listen to the podcast or join us on Discord or join us on Patreon or join us on our live streams. Wherever we can be helpful in that process of you just letting this unfold, we would love to be. If you are in an environment where it is very difficult to do this because everybody is deeply immersed in defending an illusion that they think gives them value, I just want to say, if you can, join us at a retreat because that is the best that we can do currently to provide an environment where you will at least have the opportunity to find yourself undisturbed for a little over a week and actually settle into it, actually find your feet underneath you so you're not 
knocked off balance so easily once you return home. But boy, I got to tell you right now, after the last retreat, just fair warning, the shift that you go through during the retreat is going to ripple through your life like you wouldn't believe when you get back. So tread softly. Yeah, no need to go whole scorched earth on everyone involved in your reality as soon as you get back. It's uh, important to recognize that <laughs> as you get back into society, as much as you've changed, not everyone has at all. And they be maybe very reactive and aggressively abrasive <laughs> towards that. As we talked about, start of this episode, it's necessary for the ego to respond in that way. It's trying to survive. It's doing everything it can to survive. And that's what you're being met with when you come back from letting go and recognizing that it isn't so much the truth of what you are. Absolutely. And what's interesting, and I just want to wrap this up on this note, is that as often as dualistic unity and the purpose of dualistic unity and the experience of your own individual freedom will often get judged by the ego as being cult-like. The reality is it's as close to reality as you can get. And what's even funnier is that the accusation is coming from the cult of ego, which doesn't want you to question and just wants you to follow. So the real question is, Who's the cult? Fucking A. <laughs> oh, man. That is a funny way. That's talk about full circle in this episode. Start now talking about that and recognizing that, of course, it's going to see the other side, the letting go of the idea of yourself, of the division that we've always perceived as being a cult, because it's defending its own cult that relies on belief in fictions, in illusions, in utilizing the past to derive some sense of value in order to use, you know, relativity and reactive responses to anything that questions anything about it, any questioning. How often growing up are you told in school or in religion classes? No question. Don't doubt. Never do that. No, just have faith. Faith in what? Faith in bullshit. Faith in ideas. Faith in fictions. That's not faith. That's hope. It's belief. That's fear. That's all it ever is. It's fear. And that's what people are being met with as they recognize some of these things more clearly. It's just a bunch of fear. A bunch of fear in the unknown from the cult of the ego. <laughs> Absolutely. And so on that note, we are going to end the season premiere, season four premiere of Dualistic Unity. Wow. We're at, I think, 79 episodes going into 80 now, not counting the live streams and everything else that we're doing. I do want to remind you, the listener, that we are live streaming regularly. You can find the schedule on the website. Join us at twitch.tv slash dualisticunity. There's a schedule on there as well. Um, we do have another retreat coming up. I do want to mention this April 1st to April 9th. It's going to be fantastic. Tickets are currently available only to our Patreon supporters as they get early access as, as a way of saying thank you for their support 
throughout this entire process of, of growing dualistic unity, we really can't say thank you enough for not just the support that they give us month to month, but being in the groups, offering their comments, giving us suggestions, even volunteering to help out here and there. It's been just incredible and inspiring and we we're very grateful. Um, so if you are interested in tickets, reach out to us on Patreon. If you have any questions, feel free to ask it on Discord. Uh, that's all I've got for today. Looking forward to the next episode. Of course, I'm going to be talking to you again tomorrow, Andrew. Hell yeah. And couldn't be more excited. Another uh, great day of chatting about the recognition that I'm you and beyond all of the ideas that we hold on to, there is no division. It's a beautiful thing being able to talk about it as often as we can now with so many different people. So we will see you next week. Hi, everyone.